As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back to the Athletic Baseball Show for Thursday, July 6th. This is On Deck. I'm Steven Nesbitt, and I'm joined by Levi Weaver, our newsletterer and one of the best guys on our staff. Levi, how are you doing? I'm good. Uh, we, we tried to do 4th of July stuff yesterday. Went to Fair Park here in Dallas, and it was approximately 700 degrees, so we stayed about an hour, and then we left. We watched the new Pixar movie, Elemental, and it was really good. Oh, hey, I have a warning. I have a warning for our audience. Because the first time I watched Up, right? Have you seen this? You've got kids. You've seen Up. Did anybody warn you about the first 10 minutes? Uh, I think so, actually. Yeah, it was a while ago. That it was going to be like emotionally devastating. I'm paying now the favor that was not done for me. I am now paying forward to the listeners. Um, There is a short. And as Pixar does, they put in the short before the full length feature film. It features the old man from Up. I'm giving you your heads up now. Just be emotionally prepared for that. That is something you're going, unless you show up late... That's something you're going to have to just take some deep breaths for. So happy 4th of July is basically what I'm trying to say. On today's show, we are going to talk about what is left of the entire city of Los Angeles. I mean, God listened to Rage Against the Machine and decided Battle of Los Angeles. That sounds great. And uh, it, he has just laid waste to the all of the baseball players in the entire Los Angeles area. We are going to talk about our top series of the weekend. We are going to make our arms race picks, and Stephen's going to explain to us what's inside a fish. I actually saw one. We were on a pier this weekend for the holiday, and this guy caught a big old fish. If you're watching YouTube, it's probably like, it's probably about a foot long. And my son- It's like a normal size fish. No, that's not normal. I grew up catching like three inch perch, and was pretty happy about that. Tell him to find out there are much bigger fish in the world. But back to the point of this podcast, Up, I watched it, you know, when I was a, a younger person and it was very emotional. And then we watched it for the first time with my two-year-old. And uh, I was like watching him the whole first 10 minutes being like, is he going to understand? Am I going to have to have some talks about life and death and sadness? And he didn't really see anything through the first 10 minutes. And then as soon as Doug popped up, he's like, doggy. And like, all right, we're good. We don't need to have those conversations quite yet. But back to the secondary or tertiary point of this podcast, the Battle of Los Angeles we have here. The Dodgers, the Angels, both facing a little bit of a, a rough patch right now. And uh, not just the the play, they're sitting sort of okay in the standings right now. Uh, Angels at time of recording, 45 and 43, but have lost 10 of their last 14. The Dodgers, 47 and 38. 
Uh, sort of just been a 500 team of late, though. So the real problem for these teams is, has not just been the on-field play, though. It's been the injuries. They are piling up. Yeah, I mean, for the Angels, it's kind of been both. But, uh, you know, the Dodgers, yesterday they get news that the platelet-rich plasma injection, I think I got through that correctly, that Dustin May got was not successful. He's going to have to have Tommy John surgery. He's out until at least the middle of the second half next year. That sucks for them. Then a little bit later, it was announced that Clayton Kershaw, the only starting pitcher on their entire rotation who had not yet hit the injured list this year, well, that streak is gone. He's on the injured list. It doesn't look like it's going to be a big deal, but the Dodgers are already relying on so many rookies right now. That rotation, I mean, they have stretched all the way to the end of their depth, and now Kershaw is on the bench. So that's going to be uh, tricky for them as they face the Angels, fortunately for the Dodgers, or I don't know. There's no fortunately here. It's not fortunate for anybody, but the Angels are even more banged up. I, I'm going to just do a, a dramatic reading from Sam Blum's latest uh, article. And it says, <clears throat> and I quote, the team has suffered injuries to several key players. Gio Urshela, fractured pelvis. Zach Nito, oblique. Logan Ohapi, labrum. Brandon Drury, shoulder. Ben Joyce, ulnar neuritis. Matt Moore, oblique. Jose Quijada, elbow. Austin Warren, elbow. Mike Trout, wrist, or rather hammock bone. And now likely Rendon, who fouled the ball off of his leg, I think I'm going to stand by my description of Rendon as baseball's version of Kenny from South Park. That doesn't include Max Stassi and Jared Walsh, both of whom were expected to be important players at the outset of the year. Neither is with the team. And oh, by the way, Shohei Otani left his last start with it's only a blister, but those things can be serious. We probably don't have to freak out about it yet, but he's not going to be able to pitch in the all-star game. What? Like, how, how does this how does this much misfortune befall one team? Such a crucial time for them where we were talking about what do they need to do at the trade deadline, not just to be a playoff team, but to entice Shohei Otani to stay. Now, Ken Rosenthal continues to write, <clears throat> they're not going to trade Otani. He wrote that again today in the newsletter. And uh, I get it. That makes a lot of sense. If you want to have him for future years, you need to keep him right now. But you also need to do as best you can, everything you can to put a playoff team around him. And right now, instead of you know, all these hitters on the IL, Ahapi, Stassi, Trout, Urshela, Drury, Nito, we're getting Andrew Velasquez, Joe Adele, Wadar Escobar, and Mike Moustakas just joined the fold. And so it's looking so much less like a playoff team than it did at the beginning of the season. It's the wrong direction for it to go. It's also the direction that things typically tend to go until you get to the trade deadline. You know, you lose lose guys. It's how injuries happen throughout the course of the year, and you need to make a decision come mid-July. What are we going to do with that? You know, are we going to make reinforcements or are we just going to tell our fans, no, 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 the, the real trade deadline acquisition is getting Mike Trout back from from the injured list in mid, you know, August. Uh, is that, you know, going to going to fly? Is that going to actually make a difference in your season? No, because you already had him and things were going just OK. So they're in a difficult place there. And I do think they need to, to put a foot down if they're going to keep Otani. And maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe he already knows where he's going after next year. But if they believe they have a shot, I think you need to. You need to be serious about this and and uh, make some make some ads, even if you don't feel like it's necessarily the the smartest thing to do. I mean, I think the dumbest bet that you could make right now is trying to bet where Otani's going to be next year because the last time this happened when he was coming over from Japan, everyone had their reasons why he would sign with this team or that team. The Padres were in, the Rangers were in, the Yankees Tigers, were in, all Reds. of these places that seemed like it would be a, a great place for him to land. Yeah, Tigers and Reds, uh, a great place for him to land, and all of a sudden he's like. I'm going to go with the Angels. And everyone just was like, the what? Like, have you, why? Why would you do that? I want to play with Mike Trout. Okay. So 
if that is the only thing you have to jo- have to go on, like what player does he want to play with for the next however long? I mean, is it Juan Soto in San Diego? Is it Wander Franco in Tampa? Like, would Otani take a discount to go play for the Rays for 10 years? Like, I have no idea. I have zero idea where he's going to go. And you have the alternate universe of him picking uh, the Mariners, who at least thought they had a really good chance for a while. You know, they have Julio now. This could have been the All-Star game of Julio and Shohei hosting together in, in Seattle. What could have been? Yeah, and there also just there are so many assumptions we make with a Japanese player that I don't know how how much truth there actually is to it. You know, there's the talking point I guess that Dennis Lynn wrote about this today uh, with whether he go back to the Padres. Would you Darvish being on that team make it less likely that he ends up there? You know, there's there are, at least have been has the stories written by smart people before that Japanese players may not like to be almost like a sign of respect and and honor and seniority, they might not like to be on the same team. So he might prefer to go somewhere else. So it's not to sort of take the spotlight away. I don't know if that's real for Shohei Otani. And so if you factor that in, okay, that checks a couple boxes off. How badly does he want a, a fully stable roster or just to have some superstars alongside him? Does he care about that sort of thing? So like we can make all these guesses at what he actually wants beyond the bag and the biggest bag of all time. It's just going to be fascinating. Or is it, you know, a geographic decision in large part where he really only wants the East Coast or the West Coast. So anyway, that's all going to be fascinating. It really wasn't the point of I was getting into this. But the Dodgers are, are I mean, you, you mentioned the injuries they faced, but they have like a an incredible starting five on the injured list right now with Bueller, um, May, Kershaw, Pepio, and uh, Thor, Noah Syndergaard. And uh, boy, a lot has changed since, since they sat, saw the, uh, a lot has changed since they saw the Angels just uh, probably two weeks ago. They swept a two-game series, 2-0, 2-0. In that stretch since then, it's like the Dodgers sort of were in quicksand. They faced the Rockies, Royals, Pirates, and I think went 500 in that stretch so far. They have a couple more against the Pirates. The Angels, uh, after losing that series, the Dodgers went Rockies, White Sox, D-backs, Padres, and lost all of them except for a split against the White Sox, a four-game split. And they're currently uh, behind 0-2 in a series against the Padres. They're going to lose that one. So anyway, to, to set you up for this one, the probables uh, are Tony Gonsolin and Michael Grove for the Dodgers, Griffin Canning and Tyler Anderson. Short one in Los Angeles, but going to be a good one. And, and honestly, given the talking points that we're going to be having in the second half, the narratives flying around the trade deadline, two pretty good teams to focus on as we head into the All-Star break. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. It's time to look at our top series of the week. My series this week is the Braves and the Rays because, of course, why would we pick anything else? The two best teams in baseball are facing off. The Rays are 57 and 31 at time of recording, which is on uh, Wednesday. And the Braves are 57 and 28 
the big difference comes when you look at their last 10. Tampa's 5-5. Five and five. They've been a 500 team for the last week and a half. The Braves finally lost uh, on Tuesday to Cleveland, so they are only 9-1 and one in their last 10 games. Uh, I thought it would be fun because early in the season, as the Rays were taking this enormous lead and winning, uh, I think, like 75 games in a row, their offense was un. Stoppable. I mean, that was what was carrying them. There were holes in the bullpen. The pitching, the starting pitching was pretty good, but it really didn't matter because they were just outscoring everybody all the time. So I took a look at the uh, at the last two weeks, and in the last two weeks, there's nobody. So kind of the the sign of a two week hot streak for me is an OPS of over a thousand. I mean, sure, nine fifty. You're having a really good stretch, but like a real honest to goodness, like this guy's on fire hot streak. Over a thousand, I think, is kind of that benchmark. Over the last two weeks, there's nobody on the race with an OPS of over a thousand. Now, that's not to say that there's that they're slumping horribly. They've they've got, you know, Isak Paredes has a 9.31 OPS. He's only striking out 9.8% of the time the last two weeks. That's great. That is a very good stretch of of baseball for him. Luke Rayleigh with a 9.26 OPS. They've got four guys that are in the 800s, which is still well above average. So, they're not going through a major slump. They are simply a pretty good baseball team right now, which is, unfortunately for them, worse than they were in the first month, month and a half, two months of the season. So uh, just for kicks, I decided to look up Atlanta for the last two weeks. And uh, here here are some OPS numbers for Atlanta over the last two weeks. Let me guess. Hold on. Let me guess. Let me guess. I, I bet they're going to be four or five guys OPS over 1,000. You nailed it. Four. Acuna, 1342. Olsen 1303, Murphy 1224, and Travis Darno at 1086. And oh, by the way, there's four more guys with OPS over 900. Basically, their entire lineup right now, it's almost like they should have eight All-Stars, <laughs> which they do. This is an opportunity for Atlanta to... Re- I mean, we could be looking at a World Series preview here, which is weird to say. I think it's just always going to be weird to say when you're talking about the Rays in the World Series, but it, that's just the fact of the matter. They're, they, they are still the favorite until they're not. So it is a good chance for Atlanta to kind of get their bluff in early. If this is a World Series matchup, kind of have that confidence of like, hey, look what we did to you guys back just before the All-Star break. We know we can beat you. For the Rays, it's obviously a chance to get back on top and get the um, the juggernaut moving again. If they can be successful against the Braves, I think that's a very good sign for them as they hope to sustain the success into the second half. The Braves are doing this without Max Fried and Kyle Wright. They barely have an impact this season. So, yeah, crazy. So my series of the the weekend is Cincinnati at Milwaukee. This is uh, uh, this is going to be a fight for the top of the NL Central, which is no longer such a like it, it was it was right in line with AL Central recently, where it's like you're fighting for anybody to get over 500. Uh, doing a little bit better now. Cincinnati, 47 and 39, uh, one game up on Milwaukee, 46 and 40. Milwaukee's been hot though. They've been hot and they've been being able to get their lineup rolling in a way. That is crucial right now, but also heading into the trade deadline as they decide what to do because this is not a, a particularly potent lineup, although Christian Yelich has been fantastic this whole season. He's tracking toward maybe a 20-homer, 30-steal type season. Um, or no, he's already at 20, so probably 35, 40 steals. Um, he's sort of the Christian Yelich 2.0 is, is a pretty incredible hitter still and uh, offensive threat. Better lately, we've seen from uh, Jesse Winker, from William Contreras. And if those guys can click, yeah, like this is an offense that can do enough damage that when you have Corbin Burns and you have Brandon Woodruff when healthy, although he's faced a little bit of a, a delay in his recovery and, you know, prime Julio Tehran back in action. This is a team that can, uh, I don't know, they've just got some some real horses in that rotation. So 
I won't bet against these these Brewers just yet. However, looking over at what the the Reds are doing, Ali De La Cruz still batting over 310 steals, just uh, 110 or so plate appearances in the major so far. So uh, I made the bold prediction in our in our power rankings this week that the Reds would go two, three, four, five in the Rookie of the Year voting. I think the biggest challenge to that a is one of them winning it. Although Corbin Carroll is really going to be tough to to beat when he was up the whole season. Uh, it's probably Patrick Bailey with the Giants getting a couple votes. But Elliot De Cruz, Spencer Steer, Andrew Abbott, and Matt McClain. That's my that's my two, three, four, five right there. So gonna be a good series. The probables in that one. Burns, Colin Ray, Julio Tehran against uh, Andrew Abbott, Luke Weaver, and T B D. So we'll ride into the the All-Star weekend like that. We wanted to shout out a couple of different series too. One of my favorites, Leo. Mets and the Padres and the disappointing off. Yeah, who thought they'd be ro- rolling into the, the All-Star break like that? The Stuper Bowl. Nice. We also, to be clear, because everyone's wondering, they came here for the fish and, and Rangers content, cut ourselves off. So you can have Phillies against the Marlins. You can have uh, the Rangers against the Nationals, but we are not allowed to speak any further about that. No, no, we're doing dry July. We just needed some time to reset the system. All right, Levi, it's that time again. Time for us to step into the on-deck arcade and make our arms race picks for the weekend. Um, if you haven't been following us, good. Uh, the arms race is something we do each weekend. We pick one start, we put them head to head, and we find out which guy has a better game score 2.0. If you win that, that's the W for the week. If you take that, it's the L. I've taken eight L's out of eight. I'm looking for a big bounce back here. So I have two I feel great about. And with the one I'm going to go with is Logan Webb against the Rockies in San Francisco. It's a big part for me. I think it's a day game, so it may not be quite as bad of a park factor, but uh, I'm, I'm hoping for as much of a suppressed run environment as I can. Logan Webb, Webb keep the ball on the ground. The Rockies don't know what they're doing outside of Coors. Let's go. I had two that I felt pretty good about. My one hesitation on one of them, you actually talked me out of pay. I was going to pick Andrew Abbott for the Rays against the Brewers, but you just talked up the Brewers' offense. So I'm going to take the easy layup. I'm going to go Aaron Savali against the Royals because it's the Royals. I like it. I like it. I just, I've already used up my Guardians, so I couldn't go there. But I also know the, the other guy I was looking at, uh, we'll check in Monday, was Kevin Gosman against the Tigers. You've already done your Blue Jays. To remind the, the listener, we're only allowed to use the team one time. And also to remind Levi, he wasn't sure about that. I knew it with the hitters. I just didn't know it. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to save him. I'm going to save him. All right, it's time for us to get going. Thanks for listening. Thanks to producer Brian for handling us on the ones and twos. Uh, you can find our work all week long at theathletic.com. Subscribe to The Athletic for $1 per month for the first year at theathletic.com slash baseball show during our summer sale. Sign up for The Wind Up, The Athletic's daily baseball newsletter with Levi and Ken Rosenthal for absolutely free. Coming up next in your feed, The 3-0 Show, Derek Van Riper, Britt Giroli, Eno Saris getting you ready for the second half of the season. No show for us on Monday as we take an all-star break, except for me, headed to Seattle for that one. Give us a follow on Twitter. Levi is at 3-2-EFIS, and I'm at Stephen J. Nesbitt. The two of us will be back after the all-star break with more of What's on Deck. I still don't know what's inside of a fish. Guts. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs>